I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Kaboom! If you thought four hours a day, 1,200 minutes a week was enough, think again. He's the last remnants of the old republic, a sole bastion of fairness. He treats crackheads in the ghetto gutter the same as the rich pill poppers in the penthouse. Wow. The clearinghouse of hot takes break free for something special. The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller starts right now. That it does. Wake up the echoes. Another weekend edition of the Fifth Hour. Welcome to your Saturday here. And we thank you, wherever you are, for downloading, subscribing, and being loyal to the Fifth Hour podcast. Here eight days a week, four hours, not enough, as we are in the air everywhere the vast power of podcasting and right over there he's uh, he's actually wearing clothes today david gascon are you clapping for yourself what a dick i'm excited man um Shaved yeah. off most of the beard, got a haircut. I have this great stash that I must brag about because I really don't grow a mustache too well. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's majestic. It's beautiful. It's everything that you thought it would be, and it is. It's not really like you to be uh, narcissistic and I know. bragging. I agree. And, uh, I agree. It's, uh, it's very just, rare for you. It's out of your comfort zone. I know you're I, pretty I, self-deprecating. That's usually how you I, operate. I just finished another book, and it made me think about you. Um, it's a book by Steve, Bar- uh, Steve Martin, the comedian, and it's called Born Standing Up. And the opening chapter in one of his lines says that stand-up comedy 
on a stage by yourself is the ego's last stand. And I thought, like, damn, that's just like Ben. Like, the environment that you're in right now, you're almost like a pinata at times. Or you have been over the last week, week and a half, where you're taking yeah. on you're taking on water and random fire from uh, oncoming bogeys, and you are Well, uh, also, friend, you know, friendly fire. Uh, yes. Friendly fire, which we will address here. I've been attacked by my own staff uh, <laughs> that don't agree with my beliefs, and uh, it's wild. You know, I... I, I I was really uh, just kind of just my head was spinning. I was like, how did I end up in a spot? Like I listen to these other shows sometimes and they're the people they work with are like so supportive and they really try to make <laughs> them sound great. And I'm like, like how the, how the fuck did I end up in a position where my own staff is attacking me Yeah, mutiny, and, and, and then celebrating it? it? It is wild and getting away with it. Yeah. Uh, it's it, like, it is just insanity. It's like what Vince Scully said at the end of game six. Your staff is alive and they are well. <laughs> <laughs> and clearly don't mind. I mean, they, they, you know, they don't think anything of it. You know, I, I, I was telling you, like, I was trying to put myself how I relate to that. When I, I remember when I was early in the business and, you know, I was so worried about. Um, you know, being being looked at the right way, being accountable and trying to do the right thing, you know, and trying to, you know, pump up if I was I did produce some radio shows early on and I was a sidekick and I always always tried to see how could I help the host sound better. Yeah. Um, now some of the people I work with are trying to make me sound worse, <laughs> which is, uh, which is bad enough. You got to fight the callers that are idiots that call up, but, yeah. then, but then you got to fight the people you work with. It's, uh, it's insane. It was a very uh, interesting eye-opening uh, experience, but not, not somebody, you know, I've kidded around a lot about the Bennett's and I've talked about, you know, like the Dan, Dan Patrick's surrounded by people that just lick and, uh, just, you know, give them bubble baths and all that. So, I don't really need that. I'm not really looking for for that but i'm also not looking to be attacked while i'm uh, <laughs> while i'm doing my job i don't uh, don't need that either uh, but but uh, but so be it so i actually wanted to talk kind of about that because i did get into a battle with one of the people i work with about the the cancel culture uh which is out there mm-hmm. and uh i just i think it's ridiculous so to me the there's so many bad parts to cancel culture i guess we'll start with this here on the podcast um, from the fact that it, there's no conversation, right? It just destroys conversation. If you cancel someone you don't agree with, you don't have a back and forth. And, and again, maybe it's just a byproduct of how I was raised. And I, I've told the story. My mom was liberal, my dad conservative, and they would debate the issues of the day at the dinner, dinner table. And by the way, my mom would often win because my dad would let me, you know, my mom win. But they would they would go back and forth. And then it was fine. We just go watch TV or whatever, and that was it. And and so they heard the other side. They disagreed, and then uh, that was it. And now uh, there's no there's no empathy at all for that. Right? That is gone. And people only want to be unchallenged. And they believe the other thing is they think they have the moral high ground uh, on everything. And. Uh, and I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with you know tearing down statues and getting rid of um, you know, things in general. Uh, I just think, and certainly people more than anything, I mean, you can debate certain symbols and things like that. Um, but to cancel a human being because they take a particular viewpoint, I mean, how can society 
succeed, uh, at least a society you would want to live in. I mean, certainly there are countries where that is the the way that they do things. That's not a place I would want to live. That's not a place I would even want to visit. Um, and, you know, I know the whole free speech thing, the First Amendment covers only speech against the government. But, I mean, and I think we're on the same page on this, Gascon, that we're reading out of the same playbook that you should have the freedom to express opinions that are not the same. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I personally... And I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't like talking to people that always agree with everything I say. And part of the reason for that is just education-wise, opinion-wise, no individual is the same as another. So I, I always, I'm always looking to hear or gain insight or to get a better understanding of what the other person sees, feels, thinks, or, or is looking towards. And my biggest concern now is that you have individuals, not naming anyone specifically, but people that are tweeting out things from their own personal accounts or a Facebook account or a webcast or whatever it may be, and God forbid it's different from whatever their company views, and then all of a sudden they're getting fired. People are getting terminated because they have their own personal opinions on their own personal platforms. And then you get the mob that comes after you or comes after the employer, and then you're chopped at the knees. And so I am fascinated by it, but I'm not surprised because a lot of this, and I think the majority of people will agree with me on this, is that this is all based on emotion, where you get not a lot of information, but you get people pressing at you with emotional hot topics that are so inflammatory that people are so quick to respond, and it's instant. It's instant, and it's never about processing it and diagnosing what the actual facts or what the story is behind everything that's going on in the forefront. Well, yeah, it's it's the word is discourse, right? You should have some discourse. You should invite that in your life. That's a life well lived. You hear different, and you decide, right? And maybe you shouldn't be so bullheaded that you can't change your mind on things. That's not what I'm um, saying at all. But that is what's going on, right? You've made yeah. your mind up. You're on your team. You know, it's you're on this side of the aisle, or you're on that side of the aisle. But when you stop talking to people that disagree with you. There's no room for growth when you start. You just shut them down and you're like society in general. Right. There needs to be You know, people talk about diversity. That's a big term these days. But intellectual diversity um, is also something that leads to society getting better, not worse. uh, At least the way I see it through my eyes. And you might disagree with that. You listening. But it's just. It's one, it's the echo chamber, what I've experienced over the last, uh, well, few weeks, probably longer than that even, but it's been highlighted the last couple of weeks, is the the divided echo chamber where it's, everything's distorted. I think that's the way to, to say it. Everything's kind of distorted right now, and uh, it's just, it is, it's poison. Cancel culture, to me, is poison. Yeah. And I got attacked <laughs> because I, this uh, Confederate flag, I'm not from the South. I don't know anyone that owns a Confederate flag, but I do know people from the South and some of them are not, they're not all racist. You paint everyone with a, Brad, ba- uh, a, a, a brush the same. 
there there are people that believe that that's just you know southern southern pride or whatever that's their their thing not, to me they're not coming at it as a uh, racist they that's just the the roots of the south and you know who the, who the hell cares if you if you think that's a racist signal well okay anytime someone puts that up then you can say that's a racist over there they've got the flag up but to, to cancel the other thing too about the cancel culture is once you cancel something it in many ways becomes more valuable right or people look to it they're like well you're canceling it but just in general i mean that's a that's a sidebar but just in general um it's when you erase history or you you, you ignore it uh you're doomed often to repeat it right i believe that to be true i yeah. believe that to be true and you you end up as a culture eating yourself alive when that takes place and it's beginning to happen i mean the the uh the civil war was a was a long time ago but it wasn't that long ago mm. and the, the the conversation i've been to gettysburg i was at the museum at gettysburg and and, and are, they, are we going to get rid of those too because they're reminders of what happened i mean how far do you go where's the line that that is drawn and who's drawing the line on that stuff yeah, I, that was the question I was going to ask you is when is enough going to be enough? And it doesn't matter if you're a right winger, a left winger, somewhere in between, because eventually it's like a virus. And eventually it'll eat everything up and it'll eat it alive. And that's the, the part that we're living in right now. I, you can go to anything. You've been to Gettysburg, like you mentioned, but I, the most harrowing moment for me taking from a textbook and saw in real life was going to the concentration camps you can go and you can talk about so many different things with world history, U.S. history, whatever it may be. But Auschwitz and Birkenau, there was nothing like it. But to think that you have to get away from it or rid it because of its past, like there are the lumps that you take and you don't wipe it away. You use it to build on. It's like a scar that obviously will never be fully healed, but you use it as a reminder of what was and what is now. And so I, like going back to Colin Kaepernick, I think of it as as vegetables. Where, you know, back in the day when I was a kid, I hated vegetables, but you learn to like it or you learn to at least have it because it's it's good for you. It's healthy for you. So his protest, while I might not have liked it, I completely understand and I was totally acceptable of it. Now, it was a little bit different where I felt like his message was misconstrued when all of a sudden he's wearing socks that that you know, dignify cops as being pigs or a Fidel Castro shirt. Like, I feel like the message after that was just, it was watered down and diluted where his original intent was one thing and it was strong and powerful. But then when you piggyback off of that with different messages about cops in general, a sweeping statement or communists in, in a foreign land, I, I think that really, I think it waters down your original message. But going back to him, you know, with what he did initially with San Francisco, I had, I had absolutely zero problem with it. I had zero problems with what people were doing with the Women's March or the marches for, for George Floyd, whether it's in D.C. or New York or, or Minneapolis. But then when it turns physical and then it turns into where you're just trashing these cities, trashing and shooting at cops or civilians – because you want to have a right to protest, I think that really escapes from what your original intent should have been or was. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast 
NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening yeah uh well it's like you know giving statues in general you know you can say well no one should get a statue because really when you peel back the onion on statues no one is pure and it's like the sinners and the saints right people are part saint and part sinner and uh you know, and what's offensive to one person might not be offensive to the next person. So, depending on how you know small-minded or narrow-minded, uh, myopic you are, if you will, you might think something is. You know, it's like tomato, tomato, potato, potato, right? Or, I mean, f- for one person, this is horrible. Whatever, whatever issue it is, and the other person's like, ah, I don't even care. I don't put any value in that. Yeah. So it really depends on who's defining it. And as far as like. My my experience. One of my my good friends who worked at Fox Sports Radio, who is I consider a radical extremist for the Liberal Party, is Tom Looney, um, and um, he's outspoken, right? And uh, he he I think he likes a lot of this the dissent that is happening uh, right now. But we we talk and we uh, we go back. We text a lot these days. We go back and forth, and uh, I love Looney. I think Looney's great. I love working with him and. Uh, I think he feels the same way about me, but uh, but you know we don't agree about that. But it, is that I, that is allowed? But I guess in the society as a whole, you can't do it. You have to cancel it, and it really goes back to something we used to mock a couple years ago. Gascon, the microaggression crowd. <laughs> this is a byproduct of that, right? This is the byproduct of the triggered snowflake uh, hipster. Yeah, it's what it is, right? Because you you need to be safe. 
right? Differing opinions don't make you feel safe. They, they, they challenge your beliefs. And so therefore, you have to get rid of them because you need to go back to your safe space. You need trigger warnings. You, it's the continually offended mob which has been given power, uh, which is, you know, from where I sit, not a good thing. Apparently, other people seem to enjoy it because the, the mob is running unchecked with, with their pitchforks, their cyber pitchforks and their cyber torches, and uh, they're going around. That actually leads us into a, a story. I, I mentioned this with Jerry Callahan on yesterday's podcast. I actually wanted to get into it more on what kind of bullshit Twitter actually is. You know, now I'm on Twitter and I've, I've been attacked a few times, but I, I've, I've tried to cut back the last uh, few weeks on how much I'm on Twitter because uh, I don't really I don't put as much value into it as you used to. It's, I've had it's been an eye opening experience here the last last couple of weeks. But did you see that Pew study on the actual impact of Twitter? Did you see this guest? Gun? I saw a little bit of it and I know you highlighted it with Jerry yesterday. Yeah. So so this is very interesting. So they were the results of the there's a Pew study that found that this is wild. I mentioned this with Jerry. Maybe you didn't pay attention to it because most people don't pay attention to everything we say. So uh, the top 10% of people that are on Twitter, the top 10% of users, tweeters, if you will, are responsible for 80% of the content created in the United States by adults. Now, think about that. Think about that. First of all, you break down the numbers, right? You peel everything back. You're like, okay, so not everyone's on Twitter. The people that are on Twitter, most of them aren't that active. Some people check it maybe once a week, if that, maybe a couple times a month total. Um, And the other thing about this, which was interesting from the Pew study, is that the Twitter user is much younger than the average U.S. adult and more likely to be Democratic, according to the Pew study. And so the, the takeaway from that, the only logical takeaway from that would be that a reaction that goes viral on Twitter, whether it be something you agree with or something you don't agree with, does not actually represent the sentiment of the general population of the United States. But yet, major companies who are covering their buttocks every day because of a Twitter mob, they treat this like the Holy Grail. They treat this like the gospel. And... You know, it's 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 really one of those things where you look at you're just your head spinning here. And again, I got to highlight that this Pew study showed that a very small fraction of people on Twitter are actually responsible for four out of every five tweets. And I was talking to a buddy of mine in radio uh, that that's in you know somewhere. I'm not gonna say where. I don't give the guy trouble. But we were we were talking back and forth, and and he brought up a point that. That there's so many bots on Twitter that it's conceivable that a couple of people with access to the bot army would, you know, they, they're leading the continually offensive mob and all that. They could literally get someone canceled with just a couple of people, but it makes it seem, right, perception versus reality. Yeah. The perception is there's thousands of people that are upset with you know, Celebrity X, but in reality, it's three people that have mastered the algorithms of Twitter and know how to send an army of bots to attack, and then sure enough, like the breakfast cereal, snap, crackle, pop, <laughs> goes the celebrity, and they're dead. They're, they're, they're ended. Yeah. 
it's it's so so redonkulous but it's the thing about twitter and i've used this analogy on the radio show and i think it applies here it's it's not the you know the legend becomes the fact that one this is more the tinkerbell effect which is a similar thing right if enough people believe hard enough that the twitter mob is exists and they're real they do right and but yet you look at the actual research which looks at this and says it's bullshit 80% of the content comes from 10% of the people but yet no no it's real it's just it's the the tinkerbell effect cuz it must be real because enough people believe the mob is real yeah this kind of leads me to what i was thinking whether it's for twitter facebook instagram whatever it may be or news outlets around the globe like there's no accountability so if you provide any kind of content, any information outside of of being sued for libel, like there's no there's no pushback, there's no accountability. So you can say or or, or publish whatever kind of information you want, and people will eat it up. And obviously, there's no age requirement for for Twitter or other social media accounts. So when you come on there, you are easily influenced if you're believing one thing or another, or if you are a young person that just doesn't have that kind of background or education and you don't know any better. So you, you fall into that state where there's, as of now, there's 1.3 billion Twitter accounts that are out there in the world out of seven and a half, eight billion people in this world. Yeah. So yeah, it's easy. But when you think about the way that influencers work and the way that advertising dollars work and the money that's involved, people are making so much money on Instagram and on Twitter and on YouTube that they will tow the company line to better themselves. And until something deadly or or diabolical happens to that individual, do they care? The answer is more often than not, no. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Yeah, and it's the, it's, it's like, I remember when I was in, in college, not that I paid much attention uh, at Saddleback, but I, I remember I had a professor that talked about television and how it's able to manipulate the mind, you yeah. know, and the, and, and the same, many of those same things are involved in social media. When you get on social media on your phone and you think this is the real world, like you think this is a, a representation of the real world, it's not, and it's also kind of like, a little bit like how you know how the casinos do it, where you hear the sounds of the slot machines and the yeah. jackpots, and it kind of sucks you in to gamble more at the casino. Yeah. And they don't put clocks in the casino, and they do all these little mind mind tricks that get you to stay in the casino longer and gamble. Well, social media does that too. With the the uh, you know everyone wants to get clout on social media. Who's on there? And so your notifications on Twitter, right? Actually, that's a big thing, you know. And you get a message on your phone, you've got notifications. Like you go back to look. It's like you go back and check out your notifications and all that. And it's it is really able to manipulate um, the uh, the deal there. But anyway, all right. So just to, to kind of wrap up this part of uh, the conversation, the mob attacks it. It is again perception, as I said, versus reality. Right? The you think the entire country it was attacking Drew Brees, for example, and I got a lot of people like, why? Are, why is Drew Brees apologizing? The, the feedback I got from it, I feel like there's a a silent group of people out there that actually still have common sense and still get what the world's really about here, and and are open to dialogue and and whatnot. But they they've been marginalized and they've been pushed aside, and we'll see how many of those people are out there. I guess we'll find out in the uh, the coming months and as the year of the apocalypse continues. But you know, just a, a small group of extremists that have figured out the algorithms can coordinate an attack, a, a cyber mob attack against an individual, and the companies haven't figured out that it might be bullshit. It might be bullshit, and I, uh, it's crazy. I'm fascinated, too, by the way that the the environment that we're in right now, because I think it's low-hanging fruit, much like football, right? Like, if you are in sports, I think you'd agree with me that most people will gravitate towards football as broadcasters because it's the easiest sport for you to comment on. Not necessarily basketball, not necessarily baseball, and not hockey, certainly Football is like the immediate gratification. You get 17 weeks plus postseason or college football, the same thing, like 11, 12 weeks and then bowl games. But everybody likes football compared to the other sports. And I feel like in this environment, it is so easy to attack. And it doesn't matter who it is. Uh, you know, people attacked uh, people attacked Trump. People attacked Obama. People attacked Bush before that. And before that was Clinton and whatnot. But I think it's so easy to go all the way up to high to the food chain in our government but people fail to recognize, hey, why don't you deal with what you got in your own backyard? Your representatives in your local area, your mayors, your governors, the senator. Like, yeah. There's just so many people, especially in a state like California or Texas or New York or Florida, 
that you need to look at like the elected officials in your area first before you think about going all the way up because there's a lot of things that you can take care of at a, at a municipal level as opposed to going at a federal level. And I think that gets lost in the general yeah. public for well, it's some not, reason. It's, it's not sexy. I mean, it's not. I mean, right? Yeah. I mean, your local city council person isn't sexy. Your local mayor isn't sexy until your mayor decides to let a police station burn in Minnesota. Yeah. How the fuck did that guy get elected mayor? My yeah. God. Yeah. Mike and all those uh, the city council people get rid of the police and I mean it's unbelievable these people got voted into office. <laughs> I mean I I've, I have a lot we have a lot of uh, fans of the show in Minnesota who are it seems like just wonderful reasonable people. <laughs> like how the hell does that slip past the goaltender? <laughs> I mean how the, how does that get through? I, I just it's amazing. That that could happen, and, and you look at some of the stuff. You know, I love Seattle too. We was in Seattle last year. It's a, it's a really cool city. It's a, I, I love the vibe in Seattle. But I mean, you allow your city to be taken over, <laughs> to have a, to have a, a sovereign <laughs> few blocks of, of the city. I mean, it's just, I, it's just you try to you try to think about that as a, a rational person. You're like, it just is it's it's nuts. Yeah, it's man. I don't know. You just you hope, obviously, cooler heads will prevail. But at the same time, everyone's got to be accountable for their own actions, right? Like I, I don't need or want someone talking down at me or telling me like this is what you got to do, or you should act like this, or you should feel like that, or you need to do this, or you need to do that. No, take care of your fucking own yeah, business first exactly. before everybody else. Why? Well, that's that's a big part of the. I mean, you've really laid you you've hit the uh, the the nail on the head there because. The reality is, I think that's the big thing. Everyone, there's like playing the victim. People love to be the victim, whatever the circumstance. I'm the victim, right? I'm the victim. I, you know, that there's like that gets you clout being a victim. Yeah. We, you know, I'm not that old. I think maybe I am now. I don't know, but (laughs) I I was not raised that way. Where, you know, I I was, you know, I I was raised as as I think you were similarly, Gascon, that you be accountable for your actions. Right. And you do like I always bring up the code of the West quite a bit, you know, and uh, and that's that's an important thing that you know you leave live each day with courage. You take pride in your work. You finish what you start. You do what has to be done. Right. You get those kind of, of tenements in the in the code of the West, which I think is a good way to live your life. But now it's like, no, I'm the victim. I'm you know, I'm not in control of my life. These evil people are leading me astray and. Uh, it's such a defeatist attitude. It is such a defeatist attitude. It's it it is. I, I think the one thing that I, I was fortunate to have growing up and and even come becoming an adult was I had the luxury of playing athletic sports, like at the at the college level, you know, high school, the whole whole nine yards. But I was taught two things: like one, you need to take care of yourself, and two, if if you're not picking up the slack, you're either one gonna get replaced or two, you're gonna get your ass kicked. So. Like I became a better athlete by being smaller and not as strong and getting my ass kicked until I learned to get myself up, train harder, work out harder, and become smarter at how I was applying my, my craft. And at the college level too, like I there was countless times I'd go on a game, strap up, and I'd see some dude as a defensive tackle, Ben. And the guy's like six foot two, six foot three, calves bigger than my arms, two eighty, two ninety, and I'm like I'm going to get my fucking ass ruined right now. And then I'd outwork him with better technique. 
And, you know, in a game like football or baseball or whatever it is, it doesn't matter your skin color, your sexual orientation, your creed, whatever it is, because you, the, the scoreboard tells, tells the tale. And whether you have 11 guys on the field at once or nine, like that's the, that's the luxury I had because it didn't matter where we were from or what we did. We all came together for the same common goal, and that was to win and beat the shit out of somebody else in the process. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, that's at, at its when you peel everything back to the bedrock of sports, right? That's what it is, right? They always talk about the people who love sports talk about the uh, what's the word I'm thinking of here? Uh, boy, it's see, it's it's weird. We're recording this podcast early in the day, Gaston, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is uh, which is odd for me to be uh, be awake. But but no, the uh, the assimilation that takes place and the fact that. It's a meritocracy. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. It's a meritocracy, right? That it doesn't really matter your background if you're from the the good part of town or the bad, like you being west of the 405. Or, so good. Uh, me from um, east of the 405. You know, it's 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 uh, you know you, you have the same common goal and you fight for that and that's just the way it is. And uh, you know, it's we'll, but we'll see, see what, it's wild though because even here, like most people don't know this, but here locally, I I know you're aware, but like some of the powerhouse high schools in the area that bring out some of the best talent in all of college football are modern day St. John Bosco, Orange Lutheran, um, schools in the Orange County or in, in Los Angeles, but they have kids that if they don't see time right away, they fucking transfer to another high school. Yeah. Like we're talking about high school kids that are acting like free agents to go to another high school, and then when you get to college, then all of a sudden, if you get no playing time, then what do you do? You fucking transfer out again. <laughs> like, there's no there's no accountability as an individual to outperform and outwork somebody. You just go somewhere else where you can see greener grass, hopefully. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening yeah it's take the easy road take the easy road and uh i remember we were doing that high school football game wasn't there one one of the the quarterbacks had been like three high schools or something like that and it's like jeez yeah jay sarah high school yeah yeah uh and the other i want to go back to the twitter attack thing because the other thing that that pew study determined was that even in the eye of the storm, the storm doesn't last very long. Like the news cycle isn't even 24 hours. Like because a day later, the mob has moved on to the to the next target. Right? They shift their focus. They don't stay on a, a target for more than than a day or so. And the keyboard warriors, uh, if, if you just you know show some rhino skin and defend uh the, if you're uh, an advertiser or a big media company defend your people defend your your employee then uh, you'd be in a better situation but that that is also people you know they get stampeded right that's what happens so so when when you had yeah. that uh when you had that kind of discourse on the air earlier this week with Coop yeah like what did you like, what set you off, or I guess what set him off? Like, why was there such big conflict outside of a political Well, I mean, allegiance? it's because, I again, I was raised where you don't cancel stuff you don't like. Coop then thought he he was raised, he likes, he wants to cancel everything, and he's totally in lockstep with the current uh, online community of, uh, you know, everything's racist, get rid of everything, and and all that. And so we were talking about the NASCAR store, and I was like, well, I think it was Brad Keselowski mm. who came out and made some comments. He's like, listen, I don't, uh, I don't really care about the, the flag, and I don't, uh, it's not important to me or whatever, and I don't, I don't honor the flag, but I don't think it should be you know, outlawed or whatever because there's some people that feel differently about it and they're not racist or whatever. It's something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing a lot of this. but sure. So I agree with Brad Keselowski. Um, and then Coop got all upset. And then, of course, he he blindsided me because I, was ta- I wasn't I was talking to him. And he chimed in and he started getting into this and then uh, talking with the liberal talking points and all that. Uh, and uh, so he's, oh, what about, what about, you know, he always, and, and there's a, uh, a phrase that I brought up on the air because you know when you've lost the argument when you go to the Nazi, to the Hitler card, right? Oh, name calling. And and no, he, he went right to, to that situation, Goodwin's Law, um, and if you don't know what Goodwin's Law is, it's the first person that in a conversation, if, if conversation goes long enough, the theory is that someone will bring up either Hitler or the Nazis. And whoever brings that up has lost the argument, right? And you can't respect that person because they have to resort to the worst mass-murdering dictator in the history of the world, which means you have no better argument than that, right? You have no better argument than that. Once you have a comparison to a Nazi or Hitler, the, the, the debate is done, Right. If if you've mentioned either Hitler or the Nazis, you have automatically lost whatever conversation you are having. Right. I mean, that's just 
that's it. So it's called Goodwin's Law, and it's uh, Coop violated. But uh, but yeah, I don't agree. That obviously NASCAR did it. I I wonder if NASCAR's going to actually feel a hit on that and, and how are they going to enforce it though that's the other thing yeah because I, I, people wear in the south there are people that wear the confederate flag on shirts and hats are they going to ban shirts and hats that have the confederate flag and i imagine a scenario when things get back to normal and there's tailgating which is a big part of the nascar experience is to go out to, it's a three-day event and you're just out there drinking beer all day and barbecuing and then you go watch the race like, what are they going to do if somebody raises up a, a Confederate flag above their RV at Talladega? Is NASCAR going to actually enforce that? Is that actually policeable to enforce that? And what happens, you know, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, um, you know, the cliche of the redneck NASCAR fan is that they've got guns, right? right. So are you going to then see, see some guy go to his pickup truck, get a shotgun out, and then you're going to have a confrontation because of that? Is that where we're going to get? I don't know. That's wild. I know earlier this week they had a race in Martinsville, and that was right after NASCAR declared no more Confederate flags. But I saw viewership was up on FS1. I think it was like 103 or 104%. So I, w- I wonder how the – the viewership will be because don't forget you're mentioning NASCAR, but this is going to carry over to the National Football League and college football too. No matter what your stance is on it or not, like you're going to have more protests or you're going to have more people do things if the national anthem still played before kickoff. And so I'm fascinated by that. I, I do think it's really challenging. I'm surprised you guys did this, but I think it's really a difficult spot for you and Coop and Roberto and Eddie to be on on a show because you have your blocks of time you got to get in and get the hell out. So it's not like you could have too much nuanced conversation because then no, all of a sudden you got to yeah. pivot and go somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, we will, you know, the monologues I do, I can do 10, 12 minutes probably. And then I sometimes I go longer than that when I'm not supposed to, but uh, it's supposed to be like 10, 12, 13 minutes uh, at the most. And then the rest of the show is just a lot of like couple minutes on this, couple minutes on that, on to the next thing and uh, just keep it. It's like a juggler. You got to keep it, uh, keep it juggling. All right, so uh, let's move on from that. Yes, uh, there's other things. Uh, we've got study and survey. This we have that. We also have pop quiz, which I like. So we're getting a little long in the in the tooth on this one. Uh, let's go do. Why don't we do to, to to Twitter? I'll go back to Twitter because they did you see this? They are testing a new feature that will recommend reading an article before sharing it. So according to a statement made by the company, the feature is being tested on Android devices right now and will prompt users asking if they'd like to open the article before they share it if you haven't opened the article on Twitter. That's a good idea. I, I like it because it sends you to a third party. The only reason I wouldn't like it is more often than not, when you get articles from a news publication now, you're either required to register for their for their article and for their site, or you have to pay a subscription cost. Which yeah. the paywall. Yeah, the paywall. The paywall. It gives you like a, a quick paragraph or two, and then it cuts you off. I'm not down. Well, for that. I, I like the idea of it. I think the idea of it is good because there's a lot of people that just comment and have just see the headline and then they react to it and then they have a hot take and then yeah. they you know that's how it goes. But the other thing is that that is what social media is about, right? Overreacting to things that you don't need to overreact to based on one sentence. That's the whole concept of Twitter, right? They limit it at 180 characters. Well, if you really wanted more dialogue, wouldn't you allow more than 180 characters? Wouldn't that be true, right? Because uh, otherwise, you're limiting the dialogue. Yeah. 
So anyway, all right, uh, study and survey this. Batteries, these are actual studies, uh, real or bullshit. We determine tribute and homage to Penn and Teller. Batteries charged by humidity, water vapor emerges as a strong source of renewable energy. So they're they're claiming that just uh, by water vapor, they they can turn that into to electricity. Uh, now you think based on the planet, most of the planet is water. Yeah. If you could turn salt water into energy, then we're good to go, right? We're set up. We're this would be a wonderful thing if it's true. But the other the other fact is how much how much time and effort does it take to do that? Because I know. Uh, there's a group out of Israel that was trying to figure out, and they did figure out a way to turn salt water into drinkable water, but the amount of time and the amount of money that it costs, they haven't been able to get that down low enough where it makes sense on a long, wide basis. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you, you mentioned the humidity in this. Is this your sneaky way of bringing in Florida Man? Since this is probably working great in Florida. Yeah, you know, I didn't kids. see too many Florida Man stories. I only saw, I saw a couple of them. There yeah. was, uh, what were the, the two, the two that I saw? I saw there was a, a Florida a politician who was running for county commissioner. He, a couple years ago, had been charged with running a brothel. Oh, and he, fuck. he, in 2018, but now he, he guess he got through all his legal troubles. So now he, he wants his job back as a politician. Oh, boy. So that's a Florida man. Uh, the other Florida man story I saw was a guy facing felony charges because police claimed that he let a 12-year-old girl drive his SUV and told her to speed because he said to the police he wanted to be a cool father. <laughs> now, the funniest part about the story, Gascon, is this person was not the father. He was not the dad of the 12-year-old girl. Oh, fuck. So... So that's uh, that's that, those are my two Florida man stories for the week right there. Oh boy! Uh, how about this? Uh, what out of uh, out of five people? So I guess we'll do the percentage. It's based on five people. How many out of five people have ended a relationship because of a partner's bathroom habits? Um, I guess I'll go two out of five. Forty percent. Uh, it's it's less than that. It's one one out of five people, according mm-hmm. to this survey have actually ended a relationship with someone they were sleeping with because their partner, I guess, what would bad bathroom? Pee on the toilet? That would be one, right? What's Hair everywhere from a female? Yeah, yeah. You could leave. Uh... Makeup all over the place. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, I don't really require much in my, my bathroom. So, but yeah, I've... The Mallard Mansion, does it have dual sinks? Is it, uh, or is it a one-sink no, operation? No, you know, I wanted that. When we moved in here, I uh, told sorry, to the wife. I was like, hey, listen, uh, you know, we need double vanity sinks. Uh, nope. We have uh, no no vanity sinks in here. Oh. And I've got, like, one one bathroom that's uh, that's mine, and then uh, that's, you know. Well, you got, so you got two vanity rooms, because I see that you have a nicely decorated studio now all of a sudden. It's just... Yeah, you come in with a, a Honda, and now all of a sudden you're driving around in a, in a Mercedes <laughs> in your studio, which is bullshit. Well, you got to bunker down, hunker and bunker in the studio, Gaskin. And it's uh, going to be here for a while. I think I might just stay here at this point. Yeah, uh, no getting attacked by my staff. I might not go back. I'll just stay here. <laughs> it's a, it's my safe place, Gaskin. Oh. Is what it is. Like you don't have to worry about that. God. Uh, all right, uh, more studies here. Uh, smile for your stomach. Study out says happiness. May, that's a weasel word, may guard against deadly gut infections. So, 
I, yeah, I don't know if I buy this. Enough. I guess if you're happy in general, that is that that seems like a good place to be in, right? You you get if you're not happy, you could really be sick to your stomach. I guess is the lesson of that, right? Yeah, because it leads to stress, it leads to ulcers, and yeah. obviously when those things happen to you, you could be stress eating. Stress drinking, stress smoking, like whatever your bad vices are, that obviously I think comes to the forefront. And then uh, you kick the can down the road and those habits become something uh, more deadly for you. I believe 100%. I, last weekend when I was on a couple of the shows at, at Fox Sports Radio, I, I had a moment like that where you're listening, you're a part of two shows that are running for seven hours, eight hours out of the day. And then you're watching the news. It's like a giant hangover or like just a bad nightmare because all the information you're hearing and seeing and watching is all dark. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you do need to get your mind. Uh, as I go with these wa- these walks now, because I'm not going back to the gym because uh, fuck the gym and all their <laughs> restrictions. Uh, it's just not for me. It's not open 24 hours anymore. I'm done. I'm out. Uh, you're not getting my money anymore. Uh, go pound sand with a rubber mallet. You're not getting a dollar of my money. I'll just walk around in 100-degree weather. I don't care. Uh, but when I'm walking around, I got, I'll uh, have some tunes on or whatever and just kind of... Uh, it's like my uh, my therapy. I'll get out there and let my mind get away from all the madness of the world that's going on right now. So that's good. 
All right, uh, the dating game. This I feel like we've gotten a version of this study multiple times since we started study this. And this one says that playing hard to get really works. A new study confirming that, Gascon, that if you're uh, for both both sexes, it's, usually it's the woman that's supposed to play hard to get, right? The cat and mouse game. Yeah. Uh, but even for men, that women often like that also, that if a guy kind of plays hard to get, the, the uh, ladies like that as well. Yeah, I wonder how much uh, that's in, in play right now with, with COVID-19 and the coronavirus. Uh, yeah. oh, I, I have heard stories of guys going to these protests to pick up uh, ladies. So it's, uh, I don't know if that works or not. I don't know how successful that is, but I have heard from friends that they've gone out there with the sole intention of trying to find a uh, girlfriend. Yeah, that's so. like that's like Wedding Crashers, right? There was a part in Wedding Crashers where, where Will Ferrell would crash a funeral. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, sure. And yeah, so yeah. now you're going to this, and emotions are high. He was a legend. He taught. He taught Vince Vaughn and, and the other guy there how to how to do it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Sure. Uh, all right. Here's another study out. Says a majority of office workers think that artificial intelligence could. That's a weasel word. Replace them within five years. Five years, they could be replaced by artificial intelligence. Now, I think intelligence. I think that's bullshit because I have read stories from people that work in the the, the minutiae of artificial intelligence and there are limitations they have there's they've reached a certain point with it but they haven't been able to get over the hump if you will and until they're able to get over the hump then i don't think that that is uh, reality i think that's more fear-based and not reality-based I, I've heard from, from people in the voiceover industry that that's exactly where they're going, that it's easier to take any kind of voice and archive it and then digitize it into a way that it can be adjusted to any kind of script that you want for the future. Yeah, well, I guess you could do that with radio then if you want. You could take that to the next level. Well, what if there's no that. games of note to report on? <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, how about this study? Artificial brains need sleep also. Uh, what the fuck is this? Uh, <laughs> new, neutral networks that become unstable after continuous periods of self-learning will return to stability, scientists have discovered, after exposed to sleep. Sleep-like states, according to a new study, suggesting that even artificial brains would need to nap occasionally. That's one of the interesting things about sleep. Like, everyone sleeps. Some people need more sleep than other people. But scientists don't really know why human beings need to sleep. Well, part of it's the recovery of your of your body itself. That's when muscles regenerate. That's when your cells regenerate. You're talking about your skin, your hair, your stress levels, and people getting to, to REM. Well, that's not a consensus, though, in the science community. That's, that's one theory on why people need sleep, but... Why couldn't your body do that while you're doing other things, right? You know, it's like it's like fish still swim while they're sleeping. You know what I mean, right? They shut their brain off and, mm. and that kind of thing. Why don't humans do that? You can shut your brain off for a little bit. And, of course, on social media, people do shut their brains <laughs> off. It does happen. So. Uh, I want to get to pop quiz here. I know we're yeah. getting a little long in this. Uh, all right, we will get to pop quiz. Uh, we'll ask guests kind of questions. And the way this works, you're supposed to play along. Supposed to play along. Uh, here it is. Pop quiz. According to a new survey, 20% of Americans say they now feel rusty while doing this because they stayed home 
over the past few months, the stay-at-home orders, the pandemic. I guess it's kind of easy. I shouldn't have missed this one. What is driving? That is correct, Gascon. Yes, that uh, many people haven't driven that much. I have not driven that much, Gascon. As you know, I'm very bougie at the Maller Mansion, the yeah. newly decorated radio studio here, which looks... People think I'm at work. I've gotten people say, All right, you must be back at work. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I'm not back at the office. I'm working every night, but I'm not back at the office. I got Bella right next to me when I'm doing the show, and she's great. She doesn't bark. Occasionally, she paws at me because she needs me to open the door so she can go out and take a whiz. But other than that, she's good. Yeah. yeah. I've been driving every day. Good luck. Good yeah. luck on that. But How's I've been the- driving successfully to the beaches, too. Hermosa, Manhattan, everything west of the 405. Why don't you just walk and- to the beach? You're west of the 405. Well, I don't want to drive through, like, Torrance and, and Lomita. <laughs> you don't want to. Well, the unwashed, the, the peons live, right? You don't want to hang out with those people, it's, the common man. It's a little bit different of a scene until you get to Redondo or Hermosa Beach. But, man, I could not believe... Like running on the boardwalk, how many restaurants and bars were wide open? Good. And, and people that were older than us, like 50, 60, 70 years old, <laughs> out on the bars, having beers, having daiquiris, having martinis, like the whole nine yards, and, and eating too. They were just, they were having a good time. Yeah. So was, I went to a restaurant for the first time last week since did you? the apocalypse. I went with my dad, had a little Mexican food. And, uh, it was, you know, people were on masks. The people that worked there wore masks, but it was. Other than the social distancing where you're at every other table, it was, it was fine. It was good. Nice. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, I'm an, I'm an everyman. I'm a, I'm a regular guy. I, I'm not, uh, oh, yeah. I hang out with the riffraff. I hang out with the vermin. You do not. You, yeah. you stay away from them. You're, yeah. you're an elitist. That's what you are. Yeah. You had dinner with your dad in the city of Newport Beach. Save it. No, I was not in Newport Beach. It was, <laughs> a, it was actually in uh, Tuston. Oh, yeah. It's Orange very County. blue collar. <laughs> Yeah, that's the hood. Yeah. When you're from Irvine, that's the hood. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, yeah. All right, uh, a new report says towels are the number one thing people look uh, or took uh, home from hotels in the United States over the last calendar year. What was number two? Uh, Number two behind the uh, towels. I'd say like the shampoo or the conditioner and the soap. Now, you would think that, and I thought that also. I thought maybe like a pillow or something ridiculous like that. But this is even more ridiculous. The number two thing that people took from the hotel. Robe. No. Batteries from the remote control. How fucking cheap can people be (laughs) where they steal the batteries out of the remote control? You got to be a fucking loser to do that. Right? Yes. There's a lot of losers out there, Gascon. There's a lot of uh, hungry puppies that are like, that's what I need right there. And more often than not, does that even fit your own remote control or does it fit a flashlight that you're using? Probably not. Well, depending, it's double A or triple A batteries are pretty much all over the place now. That's standard, so... But but just the whole like the the mindset the neurosis were like oh okay these are some batteries they won't even notice they're gone yeah which is actually probably true because if you go to a hotel like if you clean if you're somebody that cleans hotel rooms are you taught to check to see if the batteries are still there no of course not you're like no of course, they're gonna be there what are we doing all right uh, pop quiz more pop quiz here in England there's uh, an appreciation society dedicated to something you might see along your travels what is it you've been to England you should get this uh, guest God come on can you repeat this one more time all right so in in England they have a an actual appreciation society fully dedicated to something that you would see when you're driving around. But it's it's related to travels. 
can't be an airport. Um, you could. You want to go with airport? I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, you're wrong. It's roundabouts. Oh, all right. Yeah. Not a lot of roundabouts in Los Angeles. It's more of like Boston has a few, the east part of Boston, Indianapolis. Yeah. They got a lot of roundabouts in Indianapolis. Long Beach has one, though. The LBC? Mm-hmm. LBC, yeah. yeah. I don't hang out in the LBC much. You no. know. I do like I like that uh, Rainbow Harbor. I think they torched that, though. They, I think the uh, the pillaging of the Rainbow Harbor. I think they, they torched everything in Long Beach. Yeah, it's pretty much all gone there. I guess I don't need to go to Long Beach anymore. It's been canceled. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, whether at home or at work, slightly more women than men do this every day. Uh, use the bathroom. Well, no, all people have to use the bathroom, guess. Yeah, but more women than men. Uh, no. It is drink coffee. Oh. Drink coffee. So, yeah, go to a... St- My wife's addicted to the, to the coffee. To she the crack. The to the crack. Yeah, I'm not a, not a coffee guy. I've been through that before. You like the coffee. You're about the coffee. No. I mean, no? I'll have an espresso occasionally, but I usually drink energy drinks. Bad habit. All right. A new survey is this pop quiz. New survey says the average American does this about 22 times a day. Uh, what do they do? It's uh, something in your house, or are you? I guess you could do this at work too, but it's mo- I think of this more of a something something you would do it at the house. Yeah, I was gonna say check your cell phone, open the refrigerator. That is right. Yeah. Open the refrigerator. I do. I do not open. I don't eat much these days, but I do not open the refrigerator twenty two times a day. <laughs> I maybe open it twice. Yeah. And um, the the I, we have this like ice machine on the refrigerator that broke like seven months ago and we just never got it fixed so we i have to make the ice with ice trays yeah and i like ice water because you actually burn calories when you drink ice water because <laughs> your body has to warm up the water whatever so i drink ice water and then so i have to like I, i'm always changing out the ice to get new ice you know and the big big things I, that's the only time i'm really in the refrigerator 22 times that's, that's a lot of fucking time what are you fucking looking for i don't know are you eating 22 times a day ice cream maybe well, I guess I guess. How about if you eat three times a day? You got to open the refrigerator, get food out, and then you got to open it again to put it back. So that's six. Yeah. What What are the other sixteen times? Dessert. All right, so that's eight. Dessert's eight. Yeah. Do you um, eat dessert after breakfast, lunch, and dinner? No. Um, <laughs> if you're buying, uh, if you're buying groceries. Yeah, but you, most people do that once a week. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's way right, like a lot. I got you. All right. Uh, here we go. Pop quiz. About 10% of people say that this is their number one, number one pet peeve at the grocery store. And this is also my pet peeve at the grocery store. So I'm in this 10% group, guess again. Uh, the people that go into the uh, 15 items or less line and they have more than 15. Uh, that is annoying. But that is not what this is. This is the overly chatty clerk. Oh, that's good. When I put my groceries down on that little uh, revolving uh, belt thing, I want to get the fuck out of there. I You don't care about my life. I don't really care that much about you. I'm good. Can we move on? And then the other problem I have with that is it's not even so much me because I'll kind of blow off people that are like that if I'm not in the mood to have small talk, which I'm usually not. Only occasionally do I like small talk. Um the thing that I really hate is you get that, you know, I'll use the Hollywood trope, you know, the kind of like lonely older woman who doesn't have anybody to talk to, who that is her social event, talking to the grocery clerk. And 
a simple process of just checking out turns into a half-hour conversation. And you're like, I just want to get out of there. Leave me. Please, just scan the items, put the credit card in, and we're done. Well, to be fair, are they losing any time in getting that stuff done while talking to you? Well, yes, because they're going. I feel like they go slower because they want they want to enjoy the conversation. Yeah, and you know, do it on your own time. Have a private conversation on your own time. Get a Facebook page. Go on there. Knock yourself out. Oh boy, chit chat. All right. Uh, would you support a four day work week, Gascon? Yeah, I would. I actually used to work four days a week back in the day. I'm doing sales at work ten hour days. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, my wife working at the nine one one. She does three days one week, four days the next. So she's got that kind of setup. Uh, and there's a new survey out that says eighty two percent of employed Americans think this is a good idea. I had that when I did weekends. I worked uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I did one floating day during the week when in the early days of Fox Sports Radio. So I had like a four day week. And I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't mind the five-day thing. But, you know, I've got, I mean, it's four hours. But there's a lot of time that goes into preparing for the show. So it's not just four hours. I mean, I guess you could just show up and or you could tape it or whatever. Some people do that. But I, I like doing it live. So. Yeah, I, I would love to. I mean, ideally, I'd love to be calling four games a week, especially if it's baseball or something like that. We're calling five games That's a week. That's a lot of charts, though, man. You play-by-play guys with all your – fucking stats and all that well, it's the God. notes and the busy stories. body work well it is but i mean it's, it's no different from what you do for your shows every night yeah it's busy body work too i admit that yeah but at least i try to entertain myself by you know quoting, <laughs> i like i like quote aristotle yeah or, you know something like, yeah. or john d rockefeller or some shit like that where i just try to dress it up for my for my own entertainment yeah. because as i've said before while i love doing sports radio and it's fun and it's great oftentimes we're talking about the same bullshit every day like when i say here, here's a little clue because the people that listen to this podcast are the big p1s of the show so when I do a monologue and I say the obligatory, like I, I lately I've been doing the obligatory Major League Baseball labor negotiation, that means I am fucking tired of talking about it. But it's, you know, it's the job. We got to talk about it. It's the story of the day. So we have to talk about it. So like, you know, these things, when I, when I work in the obligatory, that is my way. It's my silent protest of saying, I wish I wasn't talking about this, but I got to talk about it because that's the big story in sports. So I'll talk about it. It's like my, you know, 7,000 LeBron James monologues. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Who cares about this fucking guy? And we keep talking about him because he gets ratings and that's he's in the news and you know the, the peasants like hearing about LeBron James. I guess the hoi polloi love him, so we just got to keep talking about it. those kind of things. You, you sound very emotionally charged right now. I don't, I don't know why I got worked <laughs> up by that, but I, it's been interesting. It's been interesting here. Yeah, yeah maybe you need has. a vacation. Maybe you do need to take some un- unpaid. Well, I have two up. unpaid weeks of vacation that I can take here at any point if yeah. I want. So I got that to look forward to, which is. Uh, which is good. Eddie's, Eddie's taking one next week, by the way. So Eddie's, uh, That's kind of uh, odd. Doesn't he usually yeah. do that during football season? <laughs> yeah, usually during the NFL draft or, uh, or football season. But, uh, yeah, I think I said this. Uh, I don't know if I said it this one or the, the other podcast we did. But I, 
it's all kind of running together, guess gun. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to take the full two weeks. I think I'll take like a long weekend maybe and uh, like do the old, we call that the Chuck Booms back in the day where you, you take a Friday and a Monday off yeah. and then you're kind of, that's it. You get a long four-day weekend. I think that would be pretty cool. That is That would be so. cool. I, I wonder what it's like to have vacation time. Yeah, well, you know, try to be successful. Maybe I'm you'll trying. get to a point where I am, I am you efforting. can uh, can end up getting that. Uh, and, uh, you know, get my own studio, have fruit fed to me every night. <laughs> fruit fed to me. Yes, yes, yes. I have a harem of people around me that feed me grapes. That's right, just like the Hollywood movies. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's do one more pop quiz. I know we're getting boy, we're probably really over where we need to be. Uh, but here it is. According to a recent survey. 20% of new college graduates say they still enjoy this, which is associated with childhood almost every week. Oh, fuck. I guess cartoons? Uh, it's not a bad guess. Uh, not, not right, though. 20% of new college graduates say they still enjoy drinking a juice box. Oh, like a child drinking a juice box I, what, at school, does, your lunchbox. Does Capri Sun count? I would assume it would count. Right, Why I'm, wouldn't it? Count? I'm down for Capri Sun. Capri Sun's good. Oh, so you're in the twenty percent. Well, you're not a recent college graduate. I, actually, you know, old, I graduated. Old. I graduated from Northeastern in 2011. Oh, please, that's a decade ago, man. Come on. All right, that's it. Hey, follow us on social media. We got another podcast on Sunday. We'll have the mailbag and don't stick to sports in that one. And if you want a personalized video, love to do it for you. It's not free, but it's cheaper than everyone else. Just about it works at our business anyway, in our business. Uh, it's uh, cameo.com. Search my name, Ben Maller. Also on the social media, Twitter, at Ben Maller. Instagram, Ben Maller on Fox. Facebook, Ben Maller Show. Three platforms, three different names. Gascon, how can people find you? Uh, Twitter, at David J. Gascon, just the letter J. And then Instagram is at Dave Gascon. All right, wonderful. Have a great day today. We'll catch you next time. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 